you're listening to episode number four. Welcome to the More Than Just a Type podcast, a place where we explore what it takes to live your best life. I'm your host, Taja Cato, expert in type 1 diabetes and fat loss, entrepreneur, and lover of all things fitness and personal development. Each week, we'll bring you a tangible tool, tip, or insight that'll inspire you and empower you to take action, achieve your goals, and live your best life. In this episode, we're going to cover 10 ways to improve your A1C. If you have diabetes, then you know what an A1C is. And if you don't know what an A1C is, don't you worry, I'll tell you. And it's kind of funny because I literally just looked on Google because, I mean, I've had type 1 diabetes for 20 years and I know what an A1C is. It's a hemoglobin A1C. But then I'm like, okay, I have to explain this. How do I explain it? I'm like, what what the hell? So I just Googled it. I don't know if you can relate to this. Thank God for Google University. Um, Anyways, before we dive into this episode, I first wanted to just say that whether you have type 1 diabetes, whether you have diabetes or not, this episode can still benefit you because a lot of the tips that I'm about to cover, they can still apply to anyone's overall health and wellness. And when it comes to the longevity of your life, you'll still have something to take away from this episode. All right, so for those of you who do not know what a hemoglobin A1C is, and this is quoting from Google University, but it's basically a blood test that's measured usually every three months, and it's meant to identify the plasma glucose concentration. And for those people living with type or diabetes in general, not just type 1, it's used as an assessment to test the glycemic control. And this part I actually found super interesting. So it's limited to a three-month average, which uh, is interesting because the lifespan of a red blood cell is four months, so 120 days to be exact. And because not all red blood cells are unbound at the same time, it's taken as a limited measure of every three months. Did you guys know that? Because I had no idea that's why our blood tests were every three months. And the A1C, to be exact, stands for glycated hemoglobin. So the A1C percentage measures how much sugar is attached to the blood's hemoglobin protein. And uh, this result just basically gives you an overall um, assessment of how well someone's diabetes is controlled or how well your body is controlled to the amount of sugar that's in your blood over the last two to three months. According to Google University, a normal A1C is 5.6 or below. So um, I know that, I don't know about you guys, but when you go to see your endo, when you go to see the doctor, and even if your hemoglobin's a little bit higher than that, do they still say like, hey, good job and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. Let's just say six and under is a good. But hey, I think the most important thing for people to know is, when you don't have diabetes is that very high blood sugar over a prolonged period of time can result in severe complications. So it's just super important that we as diabetics keep our blood glucose within range. And that being said, do you guys ever hear of people having a low A1C? Like, oh, your A1C is too low because I've never heard that before at all. I don't know where that thought just came from, but (laughs) I just had to put that out there. 
Anywho, let's not get hung up on what your A1C should be. That's not why you're here and you're here to better your health and that's all that really matters. So let's dive into the 10 ways that you can lower your A1C. So these uh, 10 tips that I'm going to share with you right now are uh, based on my own personal experience with just lowering mine over the last 20 years. And so I really just want to share them with you, but I just want to let you know first and foremost that that's uh, kind of the place that they are coming from. So number one is weight training. Weight training, lifting weights in the gym, this is really going to help lower your A1C and just keep your sugars overall more stable. Now, it's one of those weird things when you actually think about it because uh, since weight training does cause a lot of stress on the body, when you are training, it um, is normal for your levels of cortisol to be slightly higher, thus resulting in your blood sugars to sometimes be higher during your strength training session or while you're lifting weights. But then your blood sugars can uh, actually plummet hours later and the effects of exercise, whether you're weight training or not weight training, it can last um, up to 24 hours in the body. And one thing that I've actually experienced myself um, just now that I've been on a set uh, strength training routine for the past uh, five, four or five years, um, just when I do take a deload week or um, I was recently just on vacation at where I didn't do any training at all and I really felt the effects of my blood sugars because um, I am using a pump right now. So I have like all my basal settings and everything set specifically um, a certain way. And so when I do fall off my routine or like when I was on vacation and I wasn't waiting training at all I really felt the impact there and my um my I ended up changing all my settings and increasing my basal and I was taking more insulin so um I just wanted to say that but weight training in general can help bring your a1c down incredibly Number two is cardio. And cardio doesn't have to be like going for a run. Cardio could even be like you're sitting at work in the middle of the afternoon and you have 20 minutes and for maybe five or 10 minutes out of that 20 minutes, you just go for a walk around the block. Like when I worked in corporate, there would be times when I just needed to get out and clear my head. And if I didn't actually um, like set a temperate on my pump prior to that or cut back on my bolus for my meal, say for lunch, I would find that my blood sugars dropped incredibly just for even those 10 minutes that I went for a short walk, like not even a fast walk, just a short walk around the block. So if you can implement or make time for even just going for a walk, like that is going to help you so much and really, really make a difference in lowering your blood sugars. Just basically any kind of activity and just making time to move your body. Okay, so number three is sleep. And this one is a little bit difficult. I mean, it is for me. I'm getting so much better at it. But um, sleep is going to be super important for your overall blood sugars and um, even just your health in general. So even if you don't have diabetes, sleep is friggin' just so important. And I can't even stress, um, like, I can't stress enough about sleep because... Um, 
anytime I feel like I'm getting sick or anything that's going on, I always go back to sleep and that's it, it basically cures everything, almost anything. <laughs> so just really make time for sleep. And when your body is uh, suffering from lack of sleep, it automatically increases the cortisol levels in your body and causes a lot more stress on your body. And I don't know if you um, if you can relate to like those days when you just had a really crappy sleep, and so you're you're automatically like you don't feel great. But on top of that, it's like you you're more hungry. You um, your blood sugars are just like harder to control. They're a little bit higher. And that all uh, comes down to just the stress that lack of sleep causes on the body. And sometimes I know it can be hard to when you're busy and you have to work and you have this like set schedule, it's hard to, you know, get enough sleep every single night. But even just an extra like 10 minutes or 20 minutes, or um, it could even just mean like, putting your phone away earlier in the evening and just really allowing your body to naturally like fall asleep or uh, listening to a meditation before bed so that you have a deeper, more like more REM sleep and even having like a deep sleep of six hours as opposed to a crappy sleep of eight hours can make such a difference. And I'm also uh, just all for naps. Like if you have time to take a nap in the middle of the day, even if it's for five minutes, like a five minute power nap is sometimes a lot better than uh, sleeping for like an hour because I don't know about you, but if you have an hour nap, you might wake up feeling a little bit grumpy and groggy, but five minutes can really do wonders. It sounds funny, but it's really true. And I remember when I worked full time at a job, I was like, working in corporate full, like sometimes it would even be 12 hours a day, but then I was also working on my side hustle, trying to build up my business. And I was like, friggin', I was so sleep deprived. And so on my lunch break at work, I would literally go into a room, shut off the lights. I would put on a meditation for five minutes and I would have a nap. And it really, it sounds so crazy, but it really helps. So whatever you got to do to get in a little bit extra sleep, your body is going to thank you. And so are your blood sugars. Number four is stress. So this is, this goes for your emotional stress, your mental stress, and your physical stress. And sometimes, I mean, you might be thinking right now, hey, like, how can I manage my stress? It sounds like such a crazy thing. Like, don't tell me to manage my stress. I'm like, stress is just there. But there are ways that you can cut back if you uh, can just sit down and look at different areas in your life and look at uh, your emotional, your mental and your physical and just see like where you can cut back because I'll just give you an example. If you're working full time at a job and it's very demanding, maybe you can't cut back like all the areas, maybe all you can do is take a nap like in the middle of the afternoon for like five or 10 minutes. Like that right there will help you. 
Or maybe you are working hard all day and then you're also trying to make time to go to the gym, but your workouts are like you're doing all these exercises and maybe you don't need to be doing all these exercises. Maybe there's ways that you can cut back a little bit because um, when you are like if you're dieting, trying to lose weight and then you're working all day and then you have like all of life stresses and then you're working out really hard. The physical impact that exercise does have on the body too can also just add more stress. So it's important just to look at all these areas and see if there's any area that you can even just cut back a little bit can help you out a ton. And then number five, I want you to look at your nutrition because your nutrition does play a very, very large role in your overall health and lowering your A1C. And I just want you to know none of these numbers are in order, but uh, nutrition is definitely going to play a huge role. And this could even mean just like monitoring your blood sugars and seeing how, uh, how like how different foods are affecting you and how your how exercise is affecting you and how your meal timing is affecting everything. So just looking at all these areas and um, it could even be something simple. Like for me, since I've noticed, like, I mean, I have a CGM, so it can, it, it's helped me like spot these patterns so much easier than before when I didn't have one. But it doesn't matter whether you have a CGM or not, uh, just being able to spot patterns and notice like areas in the day that maybe your blood sugar is fluctuating or it's a little bit higher or lower. And then just really honing in on that area to see what you can do to fix it. And this could even mean just, you know, monitoring, monitoring it for a few days and then having some data to just go back and like compare. But, uh, as for an example for myself, I've noticed that I'm so insulin resistant in the morning, like even my blood sugars, uh, with the amount of basil, my, like my units and everything, what I'm taking now, I'll, I'll be normal. I'll wake up normal. My, my insulin uh, settings are higher in the morning just to, uh, counteract that dawn phenomenon when my blood sugars are, are a little bit higher in the morning. But when I have my, uh, first meal of the day, that's when I'm so in like so resistant. So my first meal of the day, no matter what, I'm always having to give myself a little bit more insulin. Like I bolus for my coffee and that time of the day, I just have to be a little bit more careful. Sometimes I even set a temp rate on my pump to try to keep my sugars stable for, um, you know, just for that one meal. But you might look at your day and you might be able to just find a time that your blood sugar maybe is having a little bit more fluctuations and then that will help you just uh, figure out like what you need to do if you need to uh, fix your insulin doses or maybe just eating a little bit less carbs at that time of day can help you out a ton. And then also uh, it doesn't matter if you know maybe you're not trying to lose weight or whatever your fitness goals are just also to being mindful of your calories because if you are trying to lose weight eating in a calorie deficit is going to help you do that and it's also what's going to help you uh, better stabilize your blood sugars because the lower your body fat is and um, the more muscle you have the more insulin sensitive you'll become Number six is water intake. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Uh, this is so important. And I don't know about you, but for me, like I sometimes have days where it's super hard for me to remember to drink a glass of water because I get so wrapped up in whatever I'm doing that I just kind of forget. 
And I will tell you right now, like if you can make it a point to just hydrate fully throughout the day, maybe even set an alarm on your phone or jot down, like keep make note of like how many glasses of water you're drinking. It's going to help you a lot because uh, dehydration can actually uh, raise your blood glucose. And um, so in order to have the best management possible, you'll really want to make sure that you are getting enough water every single day. So let this be a little reminder to go grab a glass of water right now if you can. Number seven is a CGM. So a CGM is great in order to help you spot trends, um, glucose trends. And for those of you who don't have diabetes or you don't really know what a CGM is, it's basically a a continuous glucose monitor. So it's been really helpful. And I, when I first, um, before I even got a CGM, actually, my medical team would be, they were like, you need to get a CGM, blah, blah, blah. It's going to help you so much. And I, it took me a few years to actually feel comfortable getting one because it's something that you wear on your body. And to me, I felt like that was just not okay. Like I was, I was afraid to wear something attached to my body 24 seven. And I was also feeling a little bit uh, self-conscious of that too, because I, at the time I didn't know anyone that had one. I wasn't fully involved in the diabetic online community. And I, I was worried about what other people would think of me too, just wearing something on my body and would I be able to hide it? And would I, would I even like it? And then the more people were trying to get me to get one, the more resistant I was. And then finally, it came to a point where I was struggling so much with my blood sugar levels when I was working out. And I knew that getting a CGM was going to help me have better control and my my fitness and just just getting to the next level with my fitness was more important at the end of the day. So that's really what helped me make the change and finally get one. And now that I have one, I have the Dexcom, but now that I have a CGM, I I can't even imagine what life is like without one. Like if I don't have it for a day, I start getting anxiety. I'm like, I need my CGM. So it's been really helpful to um, help spot trends in blood glucose. And so if you have uh, the um, a way to get a CGM or at least just try one out, then I would definitely do that. I would talk to your insurance and your healthcare provider and just see if you can get a CGM because I really truly believe that that is one of the ways that I was able to lower my, uh, my A1C incredibly because you basically just have uh, the data that y- you can really s- be able to see trends. Like you can look at your blood sugars in a 24-hour period period and see where it's fluctuating. And after a few days, if you're having high blood sugar or low blood sugar at a certain time of day, you can see that exact uh, area and then you can tweak it. And it's just so helpful. So I can't even stress enough how much a CGM has helped me personally. And if you're not ready to get one, like don't feel bad. You'll get there eventually because that's how I was. But if you do have means to uh, get one, then get it and see, try it out. See if you like it. Nothing is set in stone. So at the very least, just try it out and see if it helps you. We're all different, but that's something that really helped me. So I would definitely recommend getting one of those in order to lower your, your A1C. Number eight is an insulin pump 
or considering uh, getting the half unit pens. They do exist and they can help a lot. And so both of these are great for just having tighter control over your uh, blood sugars. And I'll give you um, an example for both if you're not familiar, but with an insulin pump, and I'll tell you right now that I do sometimes switch back and forth between injections and my insulin pump. Uh, but for an insulin pump, it does help to have tighter control if you feel you could benefit from it because you can actually set your basal settings at different amounts at different times of the day. So for example, like when you're taking your long-acting insulin, it's one injection. Um, maybe you do it once a day, maybe you do it twice a day. But with the insulin pump, you can literally set your basal so it gives you maybe X amount in the morning, like higher dose there, and then you can drop it down a little bit and then you can increase it. So at different hours of the day, you just have a little bit more flexibility. And also when you're about to work out too, you can suspend your insulin at all. So you have no insulin in your body whatsoever, which can help prevent low blood sugar. So it just does give you a little bit more uh, tighter control there. Not everyone benefits as much from an insulin pump, but it has helped me a little bit. I'm still not 100% sure if it has contributed to my lowering my A1C. I know that having the CGM has definitely, but um, either way, it can be beneficial. And then for the half unit pens, those two can just give you a little bit more tighter control when you are correcting your blood sugars and then also when you are um, injecting for your meals. So either of those are something to consider just to have tighter control in order to lower your overall A1C. And then number nine is patience. And patience is something that is my weak point. And it's something that I definitely work on every single day in all aspects of my life. But the reason why patience is on this list is because when you have high blood sugar, and this is something that I am so guilty of, but you want to you want to just have patience to when you bolus to when you give yourself your correction you need to wait until your blood sugar goes back you need to wait you feel like crap and it can be hard like you want to just keep bolusing because you feel horrible and you want to be back to a normal range at least that's how it is for me but it's really important just to be patient so that you don't end up on the other end of the spectrum with low blood sugar and then also just having patience when you do have low blood sugar because a lot of the time too if you have ever experienced low blood sugar then you know you're super hungry and it can be easy to overeat or just over consume when you are treating low blood sugar so it's really important just to have the patience even though you're feeling shaky and it's scary sometimes but just really uh, being aware of like how much food your body needs in order to bring your blood sugar back up within a normal range and then having the patience to wait until you get to where you need to be without overdoing it, like over consuming the food. And this might even mean like eating one or two glucose tablets and then waiting like 10 minutes and then monitoring your blood sugar to see where it is because sometimes it does take a little bit longer for you to get back into a more stable place. So just try to be patient and I promise that over time you will um, it will make such a difference for you. And you'll hopefully be able to get off that roller coaster or at least try to avoid that roller coaster to begin with.
Number 10 is mindfulness. So mindfulness is on this list just because I promise you, and I feel this from the bottom of my heart, but I, uh, just from experience too, like if you are able to really be more mindful of your blood sugars instead of just constantly bolusing for food and then correcting your blood sugars. If you're able to sit down and just be a little bit more mindful and look at your blood sugars and your trends and spot patterns and fluctuations and be able to spot those trends in those areas like why why are you experiencing this high blood sugar right now? Is it because you uh, overcorrected a low a few hours ago? Or, you know, just be, be being a little bit more mindful of the why behind what's going on. And that will help you so much um, just to be able to kind of avoid situations and just to learn more about your body because it really comes down to just knowing your body and how things affect you. And even like different stress can uh, increase blood glucose levels and sometimes like emotional things going on can have a different effect for your blood sugar. So just really paying attention and being aware to these situations and how they affect you. So mindfulness is on here because it is really important just to get to know your body and um, that can help you so much with your overall health and wellness. And even if you don't have diabetes to just becoming more aware of how your, how you're feeling and how things are affecting you. So that will help you lower your A1C. I don't want you to feel bad about where your A1C is right now. I want you to just you know, strive to be better because that's all we're doing. No matter what, we're all just striving to become better versions of ourselves and to have better health. And as a type one diabetic, I know it can be really hard sometimes, you know, we get caught into our blood sugars and just focusing on trying to get them as perfect as possible. And that in itself can create a lot of stress on us. And it's not a good feeling when you're trying to be perfect. I mean, this disease itself is not perfect. And it there's days when they are certainly not going to be perfect, no matter if you're doing everything right or not. So it's just one of those things that you really need to focus on not being perfect and just be okay with not being perfect and know that no one's perfect. I don't know if you've ever experienced uh, just a fear of going to see the doctor and, you know, it's one of those things. It's like a test of like, how are you doing? And you always want to be healthy and you want to be doing good and you want that recognition and you want to know that your health is is good and that you're okay. And so it can always be a little bit nerve wracking. I mean, it is for me. And in the past, like when I did have a, a much higher A1C, I was always striving for it to be better. And I knew that it was going to get better. And then now that it's lower, you know, I still want it to be uh, better. But I have this, uh, this other fear of going to the doctor and then having it be worse because I have had weeks that have been very, very hard to control, you know, with like 
um, hormonal stuff going. Like when I have my period, my blood sugars are crazy. And then I was just on vacation. So it's always this like fear in the back of your mind because you don't want to feel bad about yourself when you're working so hard just to survive. But I just want you to know that it's okay. And as long as you're working towards um, just being the best version of yourself and you're, you're always working just to have better control and you're always being mindful and your health is important to you and you're working towards that, then it's okay to have bad days and it's okay to have A1Cs that aren't as good. The whole point is that you're always striving to be better. And just look at it as opportunities when you do get your A1C. It's an opportunity to become better. And that's that's all that really matters. And if you're doing the best year you can, that's all that matters. And if you're not where you want to be yet, don't worry. You're going to get there. And if you're at a place right now where you do want to lose a little bit of weight and you do feel like it will help you lower your A1C and just have better control over your diabetes, I have a free guide. It's how to lose weight with type 1 and you can get that at diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash lose weight with type 1 and you can download it for free there. And if you liked this episode, if you found this episode helpful, please do subscribe and leave us a rating and review. In the next episode, we are going to talk about how to manage stress and overwhelm because that is a huge thing in our life right now in our busy world that we live in today. So I can't wait to talk to you next week.